Welcome to the show. In this one, I have a conversation with Jeremy Santacross, who's also known by his rap alias, A-Cream, from back in the Arctic Flow days. Arctic Flow was an Alaskan rap group that started in 1999 and went on to influence and define what authentic Alaskan rap should sound like. The rap group consisted of Jeremy, Josh Boots, Soiled Seed, Nauseous, and Alcoda. Jeremy says that a defining characteristic of the group was that everyone and everything they did was so sincere. They were living in the moment and often caught up in illicit activity and producing music that mirrored their lives. Here's a clip of Body, a track off Jeremy's 2008 album, Digital Penetration. Level, I'm coming for you. Arctic Flow unofficially disbanded in 2010. Jeremy says there was no big falling out. The group had just become stagnant, and everyone wanted to go their separate ways. He also acknowledges that some of his actions most likely caused the disintegration of the group. And while it may be unlikely that we'll ever hear an Arctic Flow reunion, the albums they put out and the shows that they did will forever be etched into the history of the Alaskan rap scene. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribed to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed to the Company Man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Northern Knives. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Okay, back to Jeremy Santacross. Jeremy doesn't go by A-Cream anymore. 
His new rap alias is Cream Soda. Recently out of prison, he's now on a path of clean living, self-discovery, and self-awareness. He's working on new music, and he's putting out a new episode of the Cream Soda podcast every week. When I originally contacted him about being on the podcast and talking about potentially sensitive things like Arctic flow, drug addiction, and prison, he said he was an open book. Because otherwise, what's the point? So here he is, Jeremy Santacross. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work! Let me get a sip of this coffee real quick. You got coffee? Mm-hmm. What kind of coffee? Uh, this is, what is this? Some sort of Sumatra blend. My chick gets all, likes to get all kind of fancy with the coffee and stuff. And, you know, most people don't drink coffee this late, but it doesn't really do much to me. I'm in the, I'm on the, I'm on the almond milk and stevia though now. And I'm off the like refined sugar stuff and all that. So, and uh, mostly dairy and don't really mess with dairy that much other than cheese. You know, what's crazy is I accidentally ordered a ice latte and i got it with almond milk the other day and yeah. it was like kind of tripping me out because it was so good yeah it's uh you know uh i'm a person that t- i take on weight really easy and that took me and i love milk and i'm always like no milk does the body good i grew up in that generation and mm-hmm. you know working out and shit and everybody's like protein and uh but it kind of started giving me like milk belly the older I got. And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like, you know, you know, the little babies that run around with their bellies hanging out and their butts hanging out their little diaper butt. And it's just like a little milk belly with their bottle. And I started kind of looking like that as a grown man. So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta look like an adult. <laughs> yeah, I got. I want to look grown. I'm shooting for a, a whole nother standard here and I'm moving in the wrong direction. So. <laughs> All right. So. Do you go by a cream anymore? So nowadays I'm going by cream soda and then, uh, uh, and that's like the brand, uh, a cream is pretty much like, you know, I mean, obviously it's an AKA and, uh, but, uh, for the most part I'm, I'm rebranded cream soda and cream soda is the brand, the label, the there, I mean, there's not really a label. It's just me. So I'm just kind of focusing on me, the clothing line, the podcast, the music and, uh, as far as anything I do, Arctic flow wise, like if I put a shirt out or something like that, it won't be affiliated necessarily directly in the business sense with cream soda. It will just kind of be for nostalgic purposes. Like I just put a 20th, 20th anniversary shirt up on my personal Facebook page. And, uh, but just so people had an opportunity to snatch stuff like that. And I'll probably do stuff like that in the future. I mean, but, uh, as far as, uh, as far as Arctic flow, I would call it defunct for the most part and has been for some time and in, in my eyes at least. Okay. And so that's what's keeping you busy is the kind of cream soda brand right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Like there's, there's so much stuff that, uh, are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the cream soda with the pot, uh, you know, so I 
I had a vision, right? No, I, I always listened to, I spoke about it on a recent episode. I, I listen, I grew up listening to talk radio, like way before podcasts and things. Uh, the precursor to that was talk radio. And so mm-hmm. I grew up listening to all kinds of talk radio. I'm just like, man, it's cool how people can just like wax poetic on all this shit. And, uh, and I thought that was neat. So, and I always imagined myself at some point moving towards radio and then it obviously developed, uh, it's broadcast in a different fashion now in, uh, and so it was a natural progression for me. It really wasn't a, a far, a far reach for me as far as things I was shooting for. I I'd kind of planned to land where I'm at, and uh, so the the you know the explosion of podcasts over the last ten or so years has uh, has definitely helped. Um, so that's that's my main focus. But I'm still I'm still dropping songs monthly. I'm about to drop a music video. Um, I really want to get the clothes pop and the clothing, the clothing is the most important aspect of it all for me and everything else. I mean, if I'm to be honest, is pretty much just marketing for that. Mm-hmm. And where can we find your music? Um, so, well, right now, the only thing available on Spotify, well, everything or anywhere you search is the, the, is AM derivative. And that was, it started out as just an intro for the podcast and it pretty much still is. It's the, it's the song that plays the beginning of every podcast after I do a quick two second intro. And, uh, but in a few days I will be dropping a video and, uh, audio links to a song called God's favorite atheist, something a little tongue in cheek. So, so I listened to an episode of your podcast today. Okay. And that is the cream soda podcast. Yes. And I liked it. It's, it's introspective. It's insightful. And I think it's a good representation of you as a person, Mm -hmm. even though I don't know you that well, I think it's commendable that you're obviously facing the demons of your past while at the same time moving toward a healthier future and then sharing that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I try not to be, I try not to be too heavy handed. You know, I'm, 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 I'm older, right? I'm 40. I turned 40 this year. And, uh, so I find myself a lot of times and and I'm not always fully comfortable with it, but I have assimilated to the position of, you know, uncle or, you know, OG for lack of a better term to a lot of younger cats and family members and things like that. And I find myself talking and I'll hear like my mom or, or like my dad, or I'll hear my, I'll say something and I'll be like, (laughs) holy shit, I'm turning into blank. You know what I mean? And it's like an, uh, an older family member of mine. And so, you know, I've definitely, I've definitely grown up a lot. And, uh, so I try not to be too heavy handed, but I also, it's so me. Like it's so me, like, I mean, literally anybody that knows me, if you were in a people that people that talk to me and interact with me on a normal basis, watching the podcast may not even be that, that dope to them because they're like, yeah, that's how he fucking talks, you know? (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) so like I don't, and I don't put too much, I don't put too much prep into it. You know, I put, I used to, the first few episodes, I didn't even do notes. I tried an outline and I was like, this is whack. This is taking me way off track. And so I would just spit. And, uh, you know, now I try to be, I put a couple little post-it notes with a couple little bullet points and that's it. And I kind of just go off other than that. Um, but I try to, 
I try to insert tough love into it because that's kind of how I grew up. Not to say it always worked, obviously. Uh, I've had so many transgressions. You wonder who the fuck raised me sometimes, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I actually, in my upbringing, my upbringing was, you know, wasn't the best one, but I've heard a lot worse. So um, I just try to, I try to be self-deprecating as much as possible. I try to, not not in the sense of the, you know, the the sad clown or anything like that, just... I try to, I, 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 like I said, I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm not, I'm not Oprah. I'm not coming from this condescending viewpoint that's trying to tell you how to live when really I haven't been through shit. More so, it's a cautionary, most, it serves as a cautionary tale, if anything, because check this out. I mean, everything I'm talking about, I'm not saying you shouldn't do this. I'm saying, yo, I basically, I used to do this. And this is why it was fucked up. And you can avoid a lot of pitfalls if you avoid, mm -hmm. you know, blank. You know, that's impressive that you don't take notes. I I take notes, um, but I regularly kind of go off on these tangents and uh, ask questions as they kind of present themselves or pop into my head. Mm -hmm. um, and... I know it's really early on in the conversation, but you just said, you know, you're from the era of waxing poetic. And so there's a parallel there, right? There, there really is. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's directly in line with the way I write music as well. Like, uh, I spoke about it in an episode and in, uh, you know, when I started out as a, as a, as a youngster, maybe even not even a teenager, I'm not sure when I, started well no not a teenager but when i started taking it any kind of seriously i was definitely a teenager by then and i never i would attempt to write in a linear fashion i gotta write these 16 bars and i gotta start at the top and end at the bottom and it's gonna be cool <laughs> the whole time and that's not always easy and i found out through a lot of trial and error that's not how my mind works like really i have to be writing all the time so the way i write song like i'll say i'll say to someone yeah i got a song ready oh you got all written out no i don't but I'll play a beat. I'll play a beat for a couple of days. It may only take a couple of seconds, but it may take a couple of days. And I'll just get, I, all I have to do is latch onto one part of that. I don't even have to have words. I, I don't even have to have words. I just have to have uh, a certain tone or mood for that section of the song. And if I can, if I can click onto that, the rest of it just kind of flows out. But I can't write it from top to bottom. I'll start at the. I'll start with the last line of something, and and then the middle line of something, and mm -hmm. then just kind of build it. <laughs> you know, and, um, somehow that's just how my mind works. And the podcast comes together like that too. I, I find myself, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have an idea and titles help, you know, if I can put a name to it, then it just kind of comes. So if I can, whether it be a podcast episode or a song, if I can come up with a title to it based on whatever I attach, whatever, whatever it is I hook onto in that beat or whatever I hook onto in that topic, then it just kind of writes itself after that. And you said that's a lot like your rhyming style. So do you go in with the the name or the name of a, a track or even just the subject you want to talk about? And then you just like freestyle. So, okay. So that would be the way that songs and, uh, and the, uh, and the podcast differ because with songs, I never go in with a topic. I never say to myself, I want to write a song about this. Let me find a beat. Mm -hmm. Never. That just, that's just not how I, that's just not how my creative process works. I listen to a beat and I let it take me where it takes me that simple. I can't tell you what that song's going to be about. It ends up being about something or, or just mostly 
uh, shit talk and, and boasting. You know, I come from that era where, you know, being an MC meant just being the nicest cat and telling you why. And, uh, and, uh, without being, without being too, uh, too not close to the truth. My phone's over here ringing, which that never happens. No one ever calls me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No one calls me. My phone's on do not disturb for, for, for the most part. Um, so I, uh, where was I? You were talking about your rhyming style. Oh yeah. I never sit down and say, I'm going to write a song about this. Um, I, I just, wherever the beat takes me, uh, that's where I'll go. And then it ends up being what it ends up being. And, uh, and where is the podcast? I have to have a topic that might be why it's a little bit more of a struggle other than the fact that I like to talk. So it's, uh, you know, if I can find a topic, you say, if you ask me a question, I can probably talk all day about it. So I got to just ask myself the right question, you know, for sure. Yeah. You know, throughout the entire day today, I was kind of preparing for this, this interview and I listened to an episode of your podcast and then I listened to a few songs on digital penetration, Uh your 2008 album. And I mean, honestly, I think that that album is an Alaskan classic. Uh, I mean, just a classic hip hop album in general. Um, that song body, like as you were describing your kind of writing style, your process for doing the podcast, as well as like how that relates and is similar and different from your process for writing lyrics. I was just thinking of lyrics from that song. Yeah. Shouts out to Al Coda, man. He, he, he knocked that one off the box. That was a good beat. For sure. So, you know, I guess to digress a little bit back to something that you said earlier was you brought up your upbringing. What did your upbringing look like? What did my upbringing look like? Damn, that's a heavy ass question. Um, let me see. So I grew up, um, my fan, okay. So my grandparents on my mom's side came to Alaska, uh, in 1952 with the military and they, um, set up shop in Mountain View and, uh, 4610 Parsons actually. And, um, they helped, they end up later in later years building, uh, the lions club. My, my grandpa was like a lion and elk VFW. I mean, mm-hmm. all them, all of them old dude veteran spots, like he was all up in all that shit. And, um, so yeah, we were, we were Mountain View since the fifties. And then, you know, um, so yeah, I grew up in Mountain View, which and Mountain View is a beautiful neighborhood, um, and I loved it, and I, I still love it. Um, it's probably, it's probably the place I feel most comfortable on earth, if you can believe that. And um, um, it's 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 not a comfortable place for everyone. Obviously, you know, uh, Anchorage has the the number one gun violence, uh, gun violence and murder per capita, and most of that shit happens right there, right? But there's the thing about Mountain View is it has an insular safety to it. And a lot of people don't see that. See, you know, Mountain View, okay, yeah, it's, you got all this thugged out shit going on and, and dope and guns and this and that. But you know what's cool about Mountain View? Nobody comes from any other side of town to commit crime in Mountain View. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What I mean is, if somebody's thinking about going stealing cars or breaking into houses and shit, they ain't coming to my neighborhood. Oh, I see. I see. So are you saying that, that it's the people that live in Mountain View committing crimes in Mountain View? Right. But it's kind of, it's for the most part, it's a different kind of crime. You know, it's more, it's more, uh, 
it's more crime syndicate type shit or or uh you know drug conspiracy type shit for for lack of a better uh explanation or or you know just overall gangster shit mm. but nobody nobody driving around looking for victims or looking for any kind of easy mark is saying hey i know where we can heal somebody let's go to mountain view that doesn't really happen <laughs> you know what i mean why do you think that is well because they're scared because they're scared because mountain view don't fuck around you might come to mountain view and never leave and it happens every day you know so there's an insular safety in that you know you might say well damn you know you live around all these all these uh all these motherfuckers who don't value life as much as some of the rest of us. But you know what? If you live in the neighborhood, nobody fucks with you. You know what I mean? Like people know who you are. You know, you can, I mean, I've, I've never had my car stolen in Mountain View. I've never had my car broken into a Mountain View. I've never had a, a home burglarized in Mountain View. Like I'm sure this shit takes place. But what I mean to say is the type of crime that people are usually afraid of doesn't take place in Mountain View from people other than people who live in Mountain View. And if it's happening, it's probably happening for a reason. There's a certain code there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If this, if dude got his house broken into or his car broken into or something happened to him, he was involved in some shit that he, and he was in over his head. You know, there's not, you don't, you're not just a victim from living in Mountain View. Matter of fact, I think there's a certain level of safety being a local. So how did that play into your upbringing? You know, I didn't even understand it till I till I got grown up. I couldn't I probably couldn't break it down that way. I didn't have that sense of clarity when I was younger. That was just like normal to me, you know. Um I I'm the oldest of eight kids. Right? I'm the oldest of eight kids. Um I'm an Italian American, but my my stepfather, my dad dipped when he was like 16 before I was born, right? And um to like the Navy and shit. Never met him again ever in life. I don't think he's ever even seen me. I'm, I'm not even sure, but I don't know the man. So uh, the man who stepped in at the age of five was an African-American gentleman who is the the father of uh, most of my younger siblings. And um, and he's the he's the father to all of us, biologically or otherwise. And it's the only father I've ever known. So I was I was raised by a black man. I had a, a really interesting dynamic because of that, obviously. And uh, and I, you know, with the, so most of my family were, were African-American. Uh, I got, man, hundreds of black cousins and, and, and I mean, I'm related to everybody. I mean, I'm related to whether it's Alaska natives, black, I mean, through marriage, through what have you, like we're all in there. And, and, you know, I don't know if you know, I mean, I'm sure you know this, you're an educated individual, uh, Mountain View, <laughs> <laughs> Mountain View, the schools in Mountain View are the most diverse in the nation. Yeah, that's right. You know, they're the most diverse in the nation and they are every year again. You know, the top is the top elementary, junior high and, and high school. T-Birds, um, <laughs> throw that in there, um, are the most diverse in the nation. So that's what it was like growing up for me. Like I didn't, um, I never felt, I don't know. I never felt different. Like everything was just really normal to me. Like, so I'm in Clark Junior High, you know, this is back in the day when there were paper food stamps right and so you might think coming from a certain uh, another place man i don't want nobody to know i'm on food stamps like i don't want nobody to know i'm on food stamps but it wasn't like that where i grew up like everybody was on fucking food stamps so it's like if i showed up at school and i had like a book of food stamps <laughs> and like if i showed up at junior high and red apple and at clark junior high and red apples across the street and i show a group of chicks yo i got some food stamps yo they're not clowning 
they're not dogging me out. They're like, let's go to fucking Red Apple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, bet this fool's balling. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever you're trying to eat, let's get that shit. So it's um, I didn't know. I didn't even realize how how it was that I grew up. I couldn't frame it properly till I got older. And I'm like, damn, that wasn't ideal. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but uh, I mean, it worked out. So how do you view it now? Now that you're able to kind of intellectualize it? How do I view my upbringing or Mountain View or both? Yeah, both. Um, man, I, I love it. I'm, I'm visiting Anchorage here um, next week and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about I'm excited about cruising down Mountain View Drive. I'm excited about pulling up to my mom's house. I'm excited about going to Holiday. I, I, I'm excited about going to uh, see all my siblings and and I'm excited about who I'll bump into. You know, just just being there, the people that I'm not even considering that I'll see. I'm excited about all those people as well. You know, other than the people I'm obviously planning to have little meetings and stuff with. I'm excited about just bumping into people who I haven't ran into, and that's that's what's cool about. Mountain View too, you know, it's, uh, you just never know, man. And, and you've known them your whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's neat. Um, as far as my upbringing, fuck, I love it. You know, I, I bump my head a lot in life. I bump my head a lot in life. I won a lot though. You know, it's, 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 it's it, my fucking spectrum is so wide because I've won so much so many times, but of all, and, and my wins have been so big. And then my losses have been like bigger than fucking 99% of anybody ever would ever hope to lose. And so, <laughs> you know, having that, I mean, there's a certain level of confidence mixed with humility, you know, um, I still think I'm the shit, but I also know the things I have to avoid in life so that I never have to go through any level of poverty again. I never have to spend another day in prison. I never have to sell drugs. I never have to break the law, period, you know, um, coming out of coming out of that culture um you know breaking the law breaking the law i mean the law wasn't nothing everybody was trying to get a leg up you know and it wasn't necessarily about get, trying to get the next man but how can i get to the next level and i'm taking any shortcut because nobody's coming back checking on me nobody's asking how are you doing nobody's dropping off shit at our house you know my clothes when i was young were busted. You know what I mean? I'm seeing cats wear nice pants and, and, and shoes and shit. And they got skateboards. You know why I probably never learned to skateboard? I couldn't have fucking afford a cool skateboard. You know what I mean? I would have okay. loved, I would have loved to have been dope at like skateboarding and snowboarding. But honestly, the, my developmental years where I would have been doing that, I couldn't afford the equipment. Which is really interesting because Arctic flow music was heavily featured in snowboard and skateboard videos. Ain't that a trip? Ain't that a trip? I know. And, and those are my, and those are my people, you know, you, you guys are my people. Like, I love it. Um, and, and of course I grew up, you know, as we got teenagers and, 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 and young adults, and I spent time and expanding my mind, expanding my worldview, of course. And I, I knew that, you know, the way that I grew up wasn't it, you know, I knew that there was so much more to it. You know, there was so much more to it. And uh, I seen that I had missed out on a lot of things. Um, but I also got, I was also privy to a lot of shit that I think other cats might have not been privy to. So that's the trade-off. You know, you can't have it all. What do you think that those, those different things that you were privy to were? Oof. <laughs> Fuck. I think I had, uh... hmm, that's a, damn, we're getting deep, huh? Okay, so... 
the different things I was privy to. I mean, nowadays in a therapeutic sense, you would probably say that there were things that a child, it wouldn't be healthy for a child to be, have such an acute awareness of, Mm. um, whether it be, um, a way to make ways to make money in a clandestine fashion, um, ways to get over, uh, way, you know, the way to, uh, you know, you know, we called it macking and shit when we were younger with women, right? And I think that was based on a lack of resources. I sp- we spent so much time focused on girls when we were young, and I'm not <laughs> sure if that was the case for everybody, but I felt like I spent an inordinate amount of time focused on trying to get attention from girls. I'm not really sure what that's about, but um, but really, it was just. Uh, sharpening my sword and learning to be persuasive. I didn't know that at the time, but I grew up around slick talking, fast talking motherfuckers that like they had game and there were shortcuts. So I learned a lot of shortcuts in life. Like if I need to do this, I talk to this dude. If I need to do this, I talk to this. I don't got to go down to the department of what you call it. Cause if I want to do this, all I have to do is talk to this dude and I can make that happen, you know? And um, yeah, so game really for for lack of a better term um just ways to move man ways to shake and move and and and, and having rhythm in life and be and just being a very charismatic when you grow up without a lot of props th- this level of charisma is drawn out of you this level i mean you either rise to the occasion or you don't right i mean in the darwinian sense you know, you hit sink or fucking swim and i f- i fully believe in that mm-hmm. you know and i just knew i wouldn't sink you know, I just knew I wouldn't sink. I, I felt, I always felt, I never was downtrodden. I was like, I was never like, man, this is fucked up. I'm babysitting, <laughs> I'm babysitting seven fucking kids. My whole life is spent on a phone because, you know, I'm doing this. Uh, I'm at the house watching these little motherfuckers who I love, by the way. But, you know, when I'm younger, I was never, I was never downtrodden about it. I was never, I never felt like anything was fucked up. I knew my time would come. I always had this like innate sense that my time would come to shine. And when I, and, and when it did, I would hit it hard, you know? And so I just felt like everything prior to that was preparation and, and, and kind of like being a boot camp or something. Do you think that you can attribute that, that feeling of, of positivity or even that this goal that I have in sight, I will reach one day. Can you attribute that to anybody in your life? (sighs) Any one person. That's a tough one. Or do you think it's just innate? Do you think it's just in you? I would like to say it's in me. I mean, I would like to say it's in me, but I might be lying. So (laughs) I'd have to dig a little. But so I've seen people having relative levels of success on different levels. But um, but some of that was in clandestine fashion, like the cats that I grew up looking up to were you know they were selling dope and they had the nice car and they'd come through give the kids five bucks ten bucks my uncles and shit oh what's up how you uh, you know what i mean and and i got ten dollars in my hand for the first time in, a, in all year you mm-hmm. know and shit like that's why you know who that's the closest thing to success that i got to see i was never around a business owner or anything like that growing up now i've i never met one business owner other than my fucking landlord uh growing up you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wasn't around those sorts of things. My my family wasn't friends with people like that, you know, and uh, unfortunately, my stepdad, my dad it's my father. Uh, but um, he he used to tell me, right, I'd be hanging with knucklehead motherfuckers. I mean, we're all knucklehead motherfuckers. Who am I supposed to hang out with? 
right? <laughs> Who am I supposed to hang out with, Pops? Mm-hmm. You know, you keep hanging with these cats, you're smoking weed, y'all coming in the house, eating all the cereal, this, that, and the third. Like, you need to, yo, you know those nerdy motherfuckers at school that be paying attention and shit like that? You need to be friends with them because those would be the cats that can give you jobs and shit when you grow up. And of course, my young dumbass was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There ain't nothing cool about that, you know? And, uh, but I fucking feel them so much now. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's weird how that happens, right? As you get older and you you look back on the lessons that the adults or your parents were trying to teach you and finally like 15, 20 years later, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what they were saying. That makes sense. It's so insane. It's so It's so insane because you get this. I don't know where we get it when we're younger, but we get this idea that our parents don't know shit. Mm-hmm. Like you're not living in the space and time and age and stage that I am and you couldn't possibly understand. But there's nothing new under the sun. So really they had seen it all before. Just like we're looking back now and we're like, oh yeah, these young motherfuckers don't know what they're doing. And they said the same shit about us. Yeah, and it'll continue. It'll continue. It'll continue. Um, yeah, fuck. If I could, if I had a dime for everything I could have gone, gone back and listened to from my parents, even though they weren't really exhibiting, uh, you know, level, major levels of success. I mean, they were exhibiting struggle to me. So I exhibited them struggling for the most part. And so it was hard for me to take advice. Now, luckily for me, uh, uh, the discipline level in the house was, uh, was was on like i didn't i didn't talk you know i talked back to my mom when i started like getting older and teenager and taller and shit but for the most younger i would have got my ass beat like you know what i mean and i'm not talking beat like beat with your fist or whatever but my mom and my auntie would grab the closest thing to you and fuck you up if they had to (laughs) you know and no question you know my stepdad was all business he's like you know i i'd fuck up and uh, my mom would say, "You okay? You wait till you, wait till your dad gets home." And he get home, and he was all business. There was no. I, I always respected him for that. I put my hands on the dresser. He put your hands on the dresser. All business, no emotion. He wasn't cussing and 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 sweating and shit from whooping me. You know what I mean? I almost felt like if I got him in there, I could kind of make a deal with him. You know what I mean? He was so calm and collected <laughs> about the shit. Like, hey, man, let's just say you whipped me. And uh, it didn't really happen, but we're the only ones that will ever know that. <laughs> I'll come out crying and all that, I promise. But there was a there was a need for him to instill that discipline. He knew, like, nah, I got to shape you. You know what I mean? I'm not perfect, but I got to shape you. And I fucking respect the shit out of him for that, man. I just, just, I can see his face ready to whoop me right now. And he wasn't even mad, man. <laughs> he wasn't even mad. And so I gained a lot from that. You know, uh, it's all business, uh, nothing personal. You know, I'm, I'm emotional like my mom, but the, but the business side, the, the business side of me is, is, I reflect a lot of my, my father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the episode I listened to of your podcast, you said that at one point someone told you that you were the smartest dumb motherfucker they knew and that stuck with you. Why do you think that they said that and why do you think that it stuck with you? So <clears throat> I was I was an intelligent kid. You know, given my resources, you wouldn't have thought you wouldn't have thought, but uh I was I had a I had a high level of aptitude when I was young. Um, you know, uh, starting from third grade to sixth grade until behavior, uh, uh, thwarted it. I was in gifted programs where they would pick us up. They used to call it packed back in the day and they'd pick us up. Uh, they'd pick us up two days a week and bring us to bring us to another school. We can do a bunch of nerdy shit. You know, I took all my, my third grade teacher, 
Mrs. Derman, she noticed something in me and she says, yo, uh, these people are coming to the school. I'm going to have them test you and a couple other kids. And, uh, you know, that was so cool of her. That was so cool of her to notice a light in someone. And um, <clears throat> that it, it's funny because I think a lot of things were sparked from that moment of that that eight year old having that opportunity and somebody singling him out and saying, you know what, you might be special. Maybe we still you still got to jump through a couple of hoops, but let's go see if these people think you're special enough to go do some special shit. And um, and so I'm I'm book smart. I always been book smart. I'm a reader. I did good in school, straight A's, all that shit. And um, but I was like, you know, my my existence outside of that, I was just totally like growing up in the hood type shit. And um, so. It was behavior. It wasn't level of intellect. I dumbed myself down to be, to be cool. Not to say to be accepted. Not like people, people I grew up with want you to be a dumb motherfucker to be able to hang out. I don't want that to be the message. What I'm saying is the shit that helped you to garner attention, the shit that got you accolades um, where I came from had really nothing to do with whether or not you understood string theory, you know, or if you knew it uh, could name one philosopher in your life, it had nothing to do with that. So there was certain people in my life. I couldn't really share those things with it, Not that I couldn't share them, but if I did, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, mm -hmm. were you ever ashamed of the fact that you were, you were interested in like more intellectual, I guess, Maybe academic would be the correct way of saying it. Like you were more academically inclined. Yeah, more academically inclined. Yeah, the inclination is the thing. And um, I just felt like in a certain in a certain uh, arena of my life, it was very much celebrated. And so I could turn that on. Mm -hmm. And then in a certain level of life, I, I didn't I didn't need it. And so I utilized idioms and I, mean, I still utilize idioms in my speech. But that's. That's just me. Like right now I'm speaking as plainly as possible. But if like, if you got, I want this to come across clear and concise. Right. And, uh, but I, if I just get to going or if I get mad, like I, I go right back to my roots. I talk the way that I, the way that I speak and I'm going to cuss and I'm going to, and I'm going to shorten shit and I'm going to use all kinds of motherfuckers and everything else. And <laughs> because I mean, that's, that's really me. That That's for sure. Me like that's base level fundamentally component me you know but but there's more there. there there's more there but uh like i said the things that were celebrated uh in, in in where i grew up just weren't those things that i couldn't do shit with them i couldn't spin that in the hood you know what i mean actually i don't know what you mean that's what this conversation's about <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> because my upbringing was a lot different you know i i was a, a snowboarder and a skateboarder and stuff i was was doing that so the other day when we were messaging on Instagram and I asked how comfortable you were with talking about Arctic flow addiction in jail, you said you were an open book, but you did correct me on one thing. And that was that in the span of 10 years, you were only out of prison for two years. So the correct term would be prison, not jail. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I, I never did a short stint when I went in, I went in, you know, and, um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm open to speak. Yeah, for sure. When was the first time you went to prison? I went to prison in 2010, 2010 for the first time 
um, for a few years. So to make to make it like a, to make it a short to shrink ten years into a short story, went to went to prison for about three years. Got out for a year. Pretty much ran. Went to prison for two years. Got out for a year. Pretty much ran. Uh, went to prison for another three years. And what did you go in for? Oh man, a host of shit. So, uh, so okay. So at that point in my life, we got to rewind a little bit, um, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because what ended up happening, you know, I was involved in in grimy ass shit um, for years and years. Like I was, I was always a piece of shit on some level as far as uh, my involvement in in illegal shit and uh, and 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 peddling uh, shit that the community definitely didn't need. You know what I mean? And uh, I got a boost from that socially, financially and otherwise. Well, and I never um, I never experimented with hard drugs as a youngster. I, I think maybe I like tried some coke or something when I was 16 and, and acid and shit. Acid was cool. I love that <laughs> shit. But um, <laughs> acid was cool. What's up? Acid? No, <laughs> where are you? No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. Um, but uh but then so but during the years of me being involved, like it was a definite no, no to like get high on your own supply or anything like that. So fast forward. I mean, we could talk about this shit all day, but I, basically my life consisted of uh, consisted of organizing uh, clandestine shit, you know, and 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 and, and furthering my place in life uh, with proceeds from legal activity without going into too much detail. Cause there's no limitations on some of this shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, later on, later on, I'd say about, say about maybe 2007, 2007, for whatever reason, I thought it was a good idea to experiment with hard drugs. Now I'd grown up, you know, partying, drinking like everybody else. I was never like a blackout drinker. I was never the guy that you couldn't take anywhere. I was, I was for all intents and purposes, I was a fun guy to be around when I was like drinking or smoking or whatever, smoking weed. Oh my God. Marijuana. Jesus. The years. Um, <laughs> fuck. I used to, I remember, I remember a time when I was like, I can't imagine ever not being high. On weed, you know? And like, <laughs> so it seems so far away now, but I remember saying that to myself, like, how could I ever exist without being high? Um, so I thought it was a good idea to experiment with, uh, cocaine at first. And then, um, that led to, I mean, I can go into a million details, but ultimately it led to opiates. Uh, cocaine fucked me up. Don't get me wrong. And I felt like, and when I realized I had an issue with it, I, I was almost like, man, this is poetic justice, like a motherfucker, mm. you know, here I am selling dope for years and just winning. And the minute, and, and, and so when I'm, when I'm losing as bad as I was losing at the time, and I definitely got a habit and I'm one, I'm one foot in the game, one foot into like fucking a, like fiend. I, you know, I own a home, I own properties, this, that, and the other thing, but I, you know, I'm going to lose it in quick succession if I keep down this road. So you thought I would have turned it around, right? I didn't. Um, so enter opiates, right? In the form of Oxycontin. We're getting deep. I've never had this conversation publicly. Um, inquiring minds want to know. Um, uh, Oxycontin. I think I met, I think I got off work or something. I'm not going to use names. Uh, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Um, 
I got off work. I got off work and I met somebody somewhere I wasn't supposed to fucking be. And they're like, "Hey, want to do a line or whatever?" And I'm like, "Sure." And um, I'm I'm kind of like trying to go straight at the time, but I'm still kind of like fucking around on the side. And um, and uh, um, he's like, "Oh, well, there's you know, it's 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 there's a little bit of oxy in it." I'm like, "Okay, I don't even know what the fuck that is," you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I found out. You know, I found out. I. Uh, the feeling I got from that shit was something different than I've ever felt. It was a level of escape that I hadn't felt before. It was a level of <sighs> excel from everything I'd been carrying on my back from being a youngster, from growing up, dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with being a, being a, a, the third parent, you know, growing up, um, you know, doing all this illicit shit, um, losing people in my life, whatever you call it. I could sit here and cry about it all. Right. But that's, that's not, that's not how I rock. But I just, it all went away. It all, the best way to explain that moment is all went away. And I remember waking up the next day and saying, yo, what was that one shit? Mm-hmm. And making a phone call. And I was off and running. Um, that later led to, you know, end up losing due to other circumstances. But it's such a, it's such a natural progression. Like the game was so over. Because here I am with a full on uh, opiate habit. Um, I'm lo- I lose, um, I lose, I'm trying to say how to say this without incriminating myself. I lose certain connections in my life that were, uh, <laughs> helping me to garner, uh, garner, uh, illicit funds. Right. Um, and it all like happened at the same time when it rains, it pours, it was like, boom, boom, boom. And here I am. Not only am I no longer a winner, no longer am I not this, not only I not no longer this dude with like. Uh, money and a successful label and, 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 you know, regional success on the hip hop shit. Um, I'm owning a home. I got land over here. I got whips. I got the nicest, everything. Not only am I now like a regular dude who has to have a regular job. Um, I have a fucking habit. So it's like the fucking, I mean, the incline on that drop bro i wish i could explain it to you and you probably understand growing up snowboarding skateboarding and shit yo the incline if you could have stood at the lip and looked down you never would have took that motherfucker but i didn't know yeah i mean maybe i knew somewhere but i didn't know acutely enough at the time to know that it would all work out like that but going back to poetic justice man it felt so appropriate it wasn't lost on me at the the peak of your your addiction, how much were you taking a day? Well, you know, you got to understand, oxys went out eventually. Oxys went out eventually, so eventually it progressed to other pills and heroin and all kind of shit. Like whatever whatever opiate based thing I could get my hands on, it was basically you know I, I turned into an animal for lack of a better term. I'm talking going from being a homeowner. Uh, being a homeowner, a a relative success in many people's eyes to uh, having to like lie, cheat and steal, bro. Like real shit. Like that's, that's, that is the realest shit I can tell you. Lie, cheat and steal. I'm talking bad checks. I'm talking, um, you know, uh, fuck. Like, I'm like really trying to be careful about the crime shit. Right. Um, Writing bad checks, which I ended up doing time for. Um, I was charged with uh, robberies and things like that that had taken place and through like, you know, globalization of many charges, got it whittled down to like, you know what I mean? At one point I was in the joint on like 32 felonies. Hmm. 
And it was all property crime. It was all property crime, you know? What were you thinking or what was going through your mind when you were like, you know, in, in the depths of this, this, this addiction, like in the throes of all of it. And you were, you were writing bad checks, you were stealing from people, you know, all of it. What was going through my mind? You know, they say there's an old book and I can't, I can't reference the book right now, bibliography, but, uh, I, uh, there, it says life has a million problems, but an opiate addict only has one potential problem. And that's not being high. Hmm. So it all just didn't matter. It, it all just stopped mattering. You know, you couple that with dealing with trauma or rather not dealing with trauma, not dealing with a certain level of transparency and communication in relationships, whether they be friends, family, uh, uh, intimate relationships, and just having so many facades set up not being the person I'm supposed to be and watching it all crumble. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like your life starts to look like a room full of people waiting to have this really deep talk with you about how much of a fuck up you are. And you literally spend every day trying not to ever have to enter that door, trying to never have to go in that door and answer to any of that shit. You know, how much of this factored into your music? Because when you just said facades right there, it brought me back to a song and I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I can't right now. Have you listened to your songs as this kind of like newly made man and been like, oh shit, that's what I was talking about then. That's what I was, I was trying to get out there. Absolutely. Like, it's funny because, you know, digital penetration, some of it was recorded over the years, but the second half of it was all either during addiction or when I was having bouts with clean time. And it's such, God damn, you know, it's such a good, it's such a good album. Mm -hmm. I can look at it. I can look at it objectively from afar and say, man, that's a really good album. And I remember every little, I remember recording every little song and where we were and who we were with and what was going on at the time and every little edit and what record I found this little tidbit from or what movie I sampled this from and this, that, and the third. Um, I can remember all that shit. And so it brings me back to a lot of things, but there's definitely lines in music. Um, well, I, hold on. Uh, what I said, uh, uh, trees don't treat me the same. So chief and his lame. So every week I sneak and treat myself to new things. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was definitely given tidbits, you know, and there was people in my life that knew, you know, as people in my life that knew, um, was I ever confronted by anybody? Yeah. Yeah. I had set up such a fucking wall though, a wall of, of invincibility and, 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 and dependability and reliability. Like I was a motherfucker you could count on. And so I think when I fell, people like lost hope, not only in me, but like in a lot of shit, like they lost hope in a lot of shit, you know, and I'm still dealing with people uh, in the healthiest fashion I can. I'm still dealing with people who are still to this day reeling from the way things ended up, you know, and, and, and that's another thing I feel, I feel I have a certain level of guilt about. I mean, I process it uh, properly, but a certain level of guilt about like, here I am living my best life. And there's people that weren't as responsible for the way things ended up as I I was. And now I just get to win again. So do you feel guilty at all? 
I mean, there's a there. I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel a little bit guilty. Um, you know, the thing of it is spending all those nights in prison, man, spend all those nights in prison alone. You know, the way I probably rationalize it is nobody was writing me in a joint. You know, nobody, all these people that said, oh man, we love you, cream, this and that. You're my dude. That's my motherfucking dude. And riding on my name for how long? Not one of them cats reached out when I was gone, you know? So I kind of like had to do away with everything. And, and, and I don't, I don't hold any resentment. I mean, I might be lying a little bit. Maybe I have a tidbit of resentment. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> fucking human. I'm a human, I'm a human being. Right. Cause I bring that up. Like, did you write me in the joint? No. Okay. We'll bet. No, but, um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I don't mean I don't want, I don't wish ill shit on people, but like I gotta keep it real. Like I just can't fake with motherfuckers no more. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna say the shit that needs to be said, and you fuck with me or you don't fuck with me. You know, it's the classic. Oh, you fucked with me when I was up, but you didn't fuck with me when I was down, and all that. It sounds so fucking cliche, you know. And I don't even like bringing it up, but um, so I rationalized it with the fact that like I lost everything. Like nobody lost as much as I did. You know, nobody lost as much as I did. Nobody lost as much rep. Nobody lost as much money. Nobody lost as much uh, 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 attention. Nobody lost as much uh, respect as I did. And I got to a room. You know, I spent a lot of time in the hole in the joint for my behaviors and shit early on. And, uh, and I, uh, but man, that was the best fucking thing that ever happened to me, man. The best fucking thing that ever happened to me was stripping it all away, getting everything taken out of my face, not having nothing. I'm in a fucking red, red jumper. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Facial hair longer than I'd ever let it be on the streets. Um, and I got a couple books. I got some coffee and a wall, a mirror. And depending on what joint I was at, a sliver of a window, maybe not even that. And, uh, I could no longer, I could no longer spend any day of my life saying, well, these things are like this because you, I had nobody to fucking talk. I had nobody to point at. I had nobody to blame. Mm -hmm. Even if I had somebody to blame, I didn't have anybody to listen, you know? So, so what ends up happening, it all turns back on you, you know? And I think for a lot of people that would fuck them up, a lot of people that would fuck them up and maybe for a little bit it did, but I was in that motherfucker long enough that... I gained a level of self-awareness. I gained a level of self-awareness about my deficiencies, about what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I had to fucking be honest with myself. I had to be honest with myself, you know, and that was tough. That was tough taking a real look at yourself, you know, and uh, (laughs) not often do people in real life have time away like that to really gain perspective. You know, so I got to gain a lot of perspective and I had to build back from nothing. I played a game in my head. I played a game in my head that I was, I mean, I'm still me, but I got nothing. You understand? Like I got literally nothing or nobody. I didn't want people to come see me in a joint. Um, yeah, I didn't want nobody to see me in a joint. I didn't feel like myself. I was going through such a transition that you wouldn't have recognized me at the time. You might've thought I'd fucking lost it, but really I had found it. And I knew that like when I came back, I would hit it and hit it hard in all the right ways. You know, I had, I had time enough to organize it in my head and in my heart, all the things that I would do and all the things that I would never do again and all the things that I would never do, period. Mm -hmm. And all the people that I would, I would have around me, if anybody, which is a lot less people nowadays. Um, 
and all the people that wouldn't be there. And, and that was okay. That was, there was such, it was a refreshing, it was a refreshing moment of letting go. And once I got that clarity, if you can imagine sitting in a cell by yourself, staring at a wall, Indian style on a bed in a red jumper with nothing in that motherfucker, but books and a wall and your own thoughts and, and smiling, knowing that everything's going to be okay. That's where I had to get, I got there. So that kid, that, 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 uh, that, that academic, that motherfucker came through for me. Was there a, a specific moment where that transition took place? I mean, I feel like you're talking in, in the, in general terms about being in a cell, you got your books, you're sitting cross-legged, the mirror's there, but was there a specific moment where you had this like, you know, moment of enlightening Soon as you said it, I knew. Soon as you said it, I knew. You ready? Okay. I'm sitting in the wall. I'm sitting in the. I'm sitting in the hole. And I and somebody had written in Sharpie on a wall, right? Uh, uh, this is a this is a, a prison full of unsavory motherfuckers, right? But you find wisdom in the strangest places. And I'm locked in that room, and some I'm looking at the shit written on the wall, and somebody had written a saying. I don't even. I've never Googled this shit. I don't know if it's like a, a quote or what, but. It said, stop trying to see what you can get away with and start trying to see what you can be. Hmm. And when I read that shit, it sounds, it sounds so whatever. It's a lot, it sounds like a meme and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And you, <laughs> and you fucking scroll past it. But <laughs> it was the meme I couldn't get away from. You know what I mean? Imagine, imagine a meme that's on your fucking phone and you can't go past that motherfucker until you fully grasp the gravity of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. And so stop trying to see what you can get away with and start trying to see what you can be, you know, and it went back to me being a kid and people telling me, man, you could be anything. Even when I was in the game and shit and, and doing illicit shit and people told me, man, take that money and do some positive shit with it. Go start a business, go do this. And my knuckleheaded ass was like, yeah, yeah, I will eventually, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this forever. You know, the game catches up in many ways. And, uh, and so I said, man, Miss Dermon, third grade, that light she saw in me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people in my family, my mom, my aunties, my cousins, and people that would like look at me very cautiously when I was going through what I was going through, even prior to like use and abuse. They're like, man, this shit can't last. This, this existence that he has can't last. This ends in, uh, you know, prison institutions, death. That's it. And, uh, but I went back to that. I said, man, it was that thing that people used to say. I could do anything I wanted to do. And uh, I started to believe that shit. I started to believe that shit. And uh, that was the moment, man. And I, I turned it all the way to fuck around. And people didn't recognize me at first. People thought I lost my mind. And when did you get sober? I got sober when I went in 2016. Uh, and I just said, man, I was... I was coming off, I'm coming off of dope uh, in the joint and I got booked and you can find dope in the joint. You know what I mean? Not telling on nobody, but you can find dope in the joint. You know what I mean? Okay. Motherfuckers are in cahoots. Uh, so, but I told myself, I'm going to go through this sick. I'm going to go through this pain and I'm never going to touch any of this shit ever again. Never again do I want to be out of my own head. I need to get back to myself and see what's left. So... I got clean then and I've been clean ever since. 
I haven't touched an illicit drug since. I haven't smoked marijuana. You know what I mean? I'm none of that shit. Nothing. And and I don't don't have the I don't have the uh, itch to do so. Like I'm I'm I would never again give up the things that I have gained starting from nothing. I would never again give up the things that I I know I I've been down the path already. Now I know. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you if you know better, you do better. And if you don't, then you you know, you reap the consequences. And I did that for a long time. What surprised you most about being sober? <laughs> that I wasn't burnt up. That I wasn't like that I hadn't like done such a number on myself with substances that I had like lost a he lost enough brain cells to where I'd lost the little academic. All I had left was like the little ghetto kid, you know what I mean? Mm. And I and would I be good at math? Could I still spell? Not not that bad. I'm I'm talking a little shit, but what would be there when I got back? Let's see what what's there when I get back. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it it it. You asked me how it felt. What surprised you the most? What surprised me the most is I don't. What surprised me the most is for as intelligent as I thought I was, or I would have told you I was gladly. Um, I didn't have the level of emotional maturity to deal with the shit that was going on in my life at the time in a healthy fashion. I simply was not equipped for that for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And I can, I can, I can list a million things that were going on at the time. And I could say, well, this person wouldn't have done this and this would have happened. And, and then I did this and me and this person, uh, uh, had a fallen out and whatever I could, I could list a million things, but really I just wasn't built for that. Of all the things I was good at, I was not good at that. You'll hear me say it in my podcast. Now all the time I say, I'm not good at a lot of things. And that's what I mean. You know, I spent my early my early twenties, and, and and my I spent my twenties like telling you all the shit I was good at and focusing on those things, mm-hmm. and never giving much credence to the things I needed to work on. And uh, I was surprised, I was surprised I had made it back. I was surprised I had succumbed at all. I was just as surprised as anybody else. You know, that's what's the crazy about addiction, right? Mm-hmm. But see. What now the upbringing that I had, like the trying to get a leg up, trying to get over, trying to find a shortcut. So when I when times got rough, I had I already had all these tools in my toolbox that I could use to exhibit all kind of fuckery to get to get to where I needed to be at the time. Does that make sense? So it was easier to revert back to that. It wasn't like somebody growing up square and now I got a habit and uh, I'm going to steal money out of my mom's purse. No. Fuck, I can think of a million ways to get money. You know what I mean? All of them bad. Mm-hmm. And so so that that made it even easier. That made it even easier for the decline to be as steep as it was. Is I was already built to be a piece of shit. Well, you grew up with different tools. I grew up with different tools. And I utilized those tools for the wrong things when the going got tough. So back then, do you think it was more difficult to imagine yourself as a rapper or involved in criminal activity when I was a kid. Yeah. When you were a kid, when you were doing your thing with Arctic flow, you know, when you were kind of of the mind of, of, yeah, the kid you grew up as. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if a lot of people understand this part of it, but the, my peak of clandestine activity was in at the peak of Arctic flow. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it was all going on at the same time. I was carrying a lot of burdens, you know, and um, 
and I was ill-equipped, you know, to say the least. Uh, I carried it well, but I was ill-equipped. There was damage being done to me by mostly myself. 99% of the damage that was done was being done to me by myself. Um, and I just, I couldn't imagine it turning out the way it did. You know, now in hindsight, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the way that things worked out, you know, but I definitely left a lot of damage behind me, you know, and, and so much damage. In fact, that I, I can't, there's no sense in going back and making things right. All I can do now is, um, and I have in some instances, of course, and, and, and still am, but, but for the most part, my focus is a walking meditation, a, a living amends of sorts, right? that uh, all my yeses are yeses and my noes are noes. You know, every move I make is a positive one. I don't allow people on my zone that are into criminal activity, that fuck with any kind of drugs, or they're on some bullshit period or any kind of drama. Like I just, that shit is not around me. People don't bring that shit my way. People just don't bring that shit my way, but it's because of how I carry myself. Like I don't demand respect. I just live respectfully and it ends up coming that way. So I... I can't have a conversation with you without bringing up Arctic Flow. Uh huh. So to me, Arctic Flow was a rap group that was way ahead of its time. You, Josh Boots, Soiled Seed, Nauseous, and Alcoda, in my mind, set precedence for how Alaska rap can be original and then also genuinely representative of Alaska. How would you describe Arctic Flow? How would I describe Arctic Flow? That's tough. Um, I mean, I would call it revolutionary now, but I think at the time, like we were so, we were so sincere about it. We were so sincere about it. There was such a level of sincerity about everything we were doing. There, we didn't have to, everybody was allowed to be themselves. As a matter of fact, encouraged to be the most amplified version of themselves whether it was me, whether it was uh, Josh, whether it was Daniel, uh, 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 Seed, uh, uh Nauseous, uh, Alcoda. I remember Alcoda sitting in, 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 in the, in the A-frame, in the top floor of the A-frame out in the Valley and making his first, his, his first, not his first beat per se, but the first one he made on the NPC and we put mm -hmm. it together and it was funky and it wasn't even like all the way correct, but it was so dope the way it ended up. We're like, bet, let's do it. And, um, so there was such a level of sincerity, like you're talking rooms full of records and, and, and NPCs and, and computers and, and, uh, and, and techniques and uh, uh, Pioneer CDJ 1000s or whatever the fuck they were, all that shit. And, and I, I, it had to be raw. I knew it was going to end up being something cool, whether, whether I knew it would be looked upon 20 years later as what it is now. I mean... I don't know. I don't know if I could say that. I, I, I don't know what we were gunning for. I don't think we knew what we were gunning for. We just wanted to be known for being good at what we did. And we were hoping to go, you know, worldwide with that shit. And, and, in, and in some instance, we did. Um, but it just ended up being this really homegrown, just like I said, that I keep coming back to that word sincere, because I mean, there was just no faking in it, man. It was so much of what was going on at the time. It was art imitating life. And everybody was just so beautiful. 
everybody was so beautiful and every move that was made just ended being the right ended up being the right one and I, yeah i i can't take responsibility for that i can take responsibility and and credit for helping to organize some of that confusion and 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 work on its presentation but i mean it was so organic like i can't take i can't take credit for all that you know yeah i think that that's that's how so many revolutionary moments and products come about is the people that are involved in them are being sincere. They're, they're representing their culture. They're representing, uh, that, that moment that like zeitgeist that everybody is a part of and everything just clicks. Yeah. It, it was just perfect, perfect fucking timing. I mean, perfect fucking time. And if we would have done what we did at any other time, I don't think it would have worked out the same way. But this, the collection of people that we had, the the collection of love that we had, the projects, the collection of experience and just and drive and ambition to make something happen, create something from nothing, and like give it to people and be like, right, that's cool, right? You guys, is this cool? Mm -hmm. And uh, and to have people say, fucking a, that's fucking awesome. What are you talking about? And uh, and that was a good feeling. That was a, that was a really good feeling. And what year was all this? So, um, so I, f so I founded Arctic uh, founded. That's such a, that word, that word's so stupid. Um, <laughs> I conceived of Arctic flow, um, uh, in 99, I think it was. And I started to, I went down States. I was Lee. I was going to Cali for one reason or another. Uh, a reason in which I won't share now, but <laughs> I was going down states and I says, Hey man, when I get back, I'm going to, I'm going to buy a whip when I'm down there, I end up buying a Jeep or some shit that was totaled later on. But, uh, I'm going to go buy a whip and I'm going to come back with a song recorded and mixed. I'm going to, I'm going to get out of this little, I'm going to get out of whatever's going on up here real quick, go get a breath, go record a song, get a logo, come back. And I did it. You know, I, I fucking went to a mall and bumped into a cat who was selling, who was selling mixed CDs and he ended up being a producer. His name was Fresh Cuts. I bump into him through him. I meet Marlon who ends up designing the, uh, the Arctic flow logo. The one with the, the, the dog and the igloo. Yeah. The classic Arctic flow logo. Yeah. And, uh, I met him through Fresh Cuts and this is all in Bakersfield. Um, so I around and I'm, I'm recording. I begin in my travels down there. I'm recording what would end up being the AK Blunted EP that came out in 2000. Mm -hmm. And, um, but at the same time, and I went to school with Josh and Daniel and all them, I wouldn't say we were close in school. Not at all. We were kind of ran in different circles, to be honest with you. But, um, but we all knew each other. We're all East side cats and, 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 and uh, when they, you know, they heard what I was doing, but I knew what they were doing. Like we had just kind of like, like I said, man, it, it was so sincere. The fashion in which it happened when you got cats telling you, yo, uh, yo, man, Josh and, and Daniel and Brian and, and, and Oscar, they're doing, uh, they're doing, they did the Star Spangled Grammar uh, uh, little mixtape and shit. And, uh, and I listened to it and I was like, yo, this is the unit that I'm missing. These are my fucking wait a minute yeah i know these motherfuckers how are we not already fucking with each other right there was mutual respect there was such a mutual respect you know and i had and uh they had the family they already had like an mc family you know what i mean and i craved that so much and then what i had to offer was 
just organization, trademarks, logos, uh, you know, business licenses and like shit you're supposed to have to like make shit official, you know, mm -hmm. and I just I'm a I'm a I'm a solution based motherfucker. What, what's holding us back from doing this? OK, let's make a list. What do we need to do? We need this, this, this and this. I'm going to work on this tomorrow. I'm going to get all this shit done. And I'm just that guy. Right. The academic. Remember? Yeah. So and uh, so I was real good at just like killing the list. And 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 and, and of course they help with that promo and just you know, all their friends and my friends and, and, and the streets. And, and, you know, we grew up on the East side and then we fucked with everybody and it was just, it was so organic. It just, like I said, it couldn't have happened at a better time. So we come together and, uh, we come together. I think I went to Josh's house. Fuck. What year was it? It was, uh, I had the AK Blundy DP. They had star spangled grammar and maybe some other shit I had heard on like a cassette tape even, and um i went to josh's house i want to say it was either late 2000 it was cold outside i remember that or early 2001 i went to josh's house and we met up and i brought my little laptop case and shit walked in there and i'm like boom here's what's popping but i like lay everything out and he's like bet let's fucking do this you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it was so easy it was so easy for us to all, all just like form like voltron because we just set up it's I'm telling you, it was almost like somebody was like, we were like little Lego dudes and people were just putting us in the right places at the right times, you know, <laughs> and uh, real shit, little army men or whatever. And so when we linked up, you know, we just, we just spent all our time together. We spent all our time together uh, recording uh, any, any free moments we had and, uh, you know, uh, coupled with all the street shit we had going on, we always found time to come together and finish the shit. We always had a project in mind, mm -hmm. and um, and we just we became a family. We became a family. Can you think of any stories that you you feel like are emblematic of that time? Stories. Oof. Elaborate on that a little bit. What type of story? I think something that that comes to mind when you when you think of that that era where the Lego pieces are all set, right? Mm -hmm. What what's a story that's that's that your mind goes to that's representative of that time? Hmm. There's so many. Um and I and I'm not looking for I'm really not trying to look for anything like specifically in my mind like I'm not trying to help you paint this picture uh, or I guess guide your hand is probably a, a better way to put it. I'm thinking of, you know, was it a time in a studio or was it a time when you guys are driving around listening to a new track or, you know what I mean? Like where you're seeing the fruits of your labor. So we had a, we had a studio over on uh, off of, uh, where was it? Off of Arctic Arctic and international. We had a studio over there and that was when we finally like had the spot that had everything, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. And it was just like a meeting place of sorts as well. Like it was, it was spacious enough and comfortable enough that if you were just coming to hang out, you could do that. But if you wanted to create, uh, you could definitely create. I remember I looked fondly, uh, uh upon that time. Um, I just, I mean, people pulling up at random times, you know, we were and we're like being all careful and shit. There's alarms on the studio. We got straps and this and that because we're like we always think somebody's gonna try to come and fuck with us or whatever. We were super, 
super low-key about locations, super low-key about who we let over there and all. I mean, fuckery went on in that studio, don't get me wrong. But uh, uh, but I just remember everybody just vibing, man. It just, it, it being like, it's almost like the studio was like grandma's house. Like people were in and out all day, you know, and, and you ain't gotta be there for this to happen. And, and that's when things started to get created without everybody being in the room. Like I might be gone and Josh might record a song and I know nothing about it until later on. And that was so dope. You know, that was so dope to me. Or I might lay a verse or, and, and be like, that's it. The song's done or whatever. And, uh, and, and us getting to present things to each other and be like, Hey man, this is what I was working on. I was writing the other day. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, and and like I said, so organic, so sincere, you know, and it became, it became competitive in the best way. Like, how could we make this shit blow? You know, uh, we had cats sitting in there making, uh, making beats. I mean, fuck for all intents and purposes, a couple of cats were basically living in that motherfucker. It had a bathroom and, and a living room and a kitchen and shit. <laughs> so, you know, we all had our own places, but the, not to name names, but there was a couple of young motherfuckers that were basically living in that bitch, making beats or just making their way. How, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah, just to, just to be able to walk into being able to pull up there and walk in that studio. And one of the youngsters are on the fucking boards and they got some shit and you're like, what's that? Mm-hmm. Or being able to be like, yo, I was bumping this on the way I heard this on oldies radio. Boom, boom. I got this on a record here. Cut that, throw that motherfucker record on. Find something like find this part. What's that? You know, no show socks happen like that. You know, mm-hmm. it just so organically. And um, that would be the time I would hark back to. That would be the time I would hark back to. Everybody was winning. Uh, everybody, everybody was doing well. Everybody, we were just so in love with each other and so in love with the music and so in love with just presenting something to the world that mattered, you know? Do you think that if you didn't get, get into trouble so often, you could have made music a, a legitimate career? Back then, probably there was a couple, there was a couple, um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's funny you should ask that because that, that brings something to mind. I never got the clandestine shit out of the way enough for me to fully believe in myself. I always leaned on it or believe in us or, or, or the whole operation. Like I always felt like I needed that crutch to think, to keep things financially viable mm-hmm. for us to be able to do things that other people couldn't do for, for us to be able to present things in a way that other people couldn't. And so I always use that as a crutch and, uh, um, yeah, definitely. If we, if I, if we would have been hungry, I mean, we were hungry, but it got to a point where we were so comfortable. It's hard to be, it was hard to be as hungry anymore. Does that make sense? Like it's one thing if I'm sleeping on the studio floor and, and I got to make it happen or I can't, or I can't make it out. I'm already out and I got other cats sleeping on the studio floor. And so the perspective was skewed a bit, you know, I may have lost a little bit of hunger back then. And then, and then it just like, was like the domino. I'm that, that, that lack of hunger musically didn't, didn't precipitate everything that happened later on, but it happened in such a timely fashion that it fucked off in quick succession. I have this written down and I wrote it down earlier when you were describing your stepdad and I kind of want to just get it in there so I don't forget, but how did your stepdad react to you getting in trouble? 
to me ultimately like going to prison. Yeah. <clears throat> my, ooh, getting personal now. So my stepdad, my stepdad growing up, he had he had his own struggles with substance abuse. So, um, not to go into too much of his business, but um, but he had a work ethic too. You know, I got so much hustle from him being able to walk into a room and just uh, interact with anybody. You know, he's this little black dude, you know, and but I never seen him any kind of uh, uh, shy to walk into a room. It didn't matter if it was a room full of suited up white dudes or Samoans or kicking it with native cats or black, whatever, whatever it may be. It was such a diverse. He had such a diverse way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. Right. So he taught me a lot, but he did have his own struggles. Uh, with substances. And so as far as the substances went, I think he was like, yeah, well, it happens. As far as me going to the joint and actually like losing from any of it, I think that shocked the fuck out of everybody, including him. I think, um, you know, I think it caused him to lose a little bit of faith in humanity almost because I think I'm the oldest son. He looked at me as, you know, I'm like a, a the patriarch. Mm. at that point you know and i got all these younger siblings looking up to me and my, and my mom's like you can do anything baby and all that and i think it i think it i think it definitely broke his heart a little bit i could definitely i could definitely see that and i don't think that i've spoken on that before and i'm not sure that i've spoken with him about that before but and and, and i will but yeah probably broke i broke it broke his heart for sure and it gets back to what you were talking about earlier when you had all these people around you and they saw you kind of going down that path and falling and going to prison. And they're like, well, if he, if it can happen to him, it can ha happen to any of us. Yeah. The most reliable motherfucker in my life, the Johnny on the spot, dependable. If he say he's going to be there, he's there. If he say he got me, he got me looking out at all times, one in the afternoon, three in the morning, no matter what the fuck I got you. And that dude, you can no longer depend on him. You know, I, I, I can look at it. I can look at it from, from uh, I can look from the outside in and see that that's what it was. And I think it fucking shocked a lot of people. I think it shocked a lot of people. I think it hurt a lot of people. I think it's still hurting some people. Be honest with you. All these years later, all these years later, when none of my transgressions have directly affected anyone in years and years, the fucking the ripples of that wave, I still, I still run into them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I'm still working through some of those things with those people, you know? And I, and, and like I said, I think, I think there may be a certain level of resentment on both sides for different reasons. And that's just natural. We're only human, you know, but I do have, I do have faith in the fact, I, I do have faith in, 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 in the future. And we're all building and some of us are building faster than others as some of us are building really little bitty baby steps. And some people will never fuck with each other again. And that's just what it is. And that's life. You know what I mean? I accept that. So back in 2014, when I interviewed you at Alcoda's house for issue three of crude, one thing I kept in mind, probably because it's one of your lyrics is to not ask you about your lyrics. <laughs> yeah. because you said that rapping was just something you did, not who you were. Have you always had that mentality? And I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit. And I wonder if it has a little bit to do with imposter syndrome. 
In in what sense? In that, in your mind, you were this this little ghetto kid. Yeah. And you were going to stay true to that person rather than branching off and being that musician. Oh yeah. Like, like the chameleon, like, like that, like, yeah. So what's funny is what's funny is I give so much credence to my, to my upbringing as far as my, uh, as far as my musical shit, but the academic probably helped even more. It just helped me have, a broader perspective of what I was looking at and the way that I approach things creatively. Um, but that statement that I made to address that directly, what I meant by that is because I grew up the way I grew up around what I grew up around, hip hop was just us. Like I never saw hip hop from across the street, like Chris Cro or Chris Cross. Oh my God. Hip hop. <laughs> what the fuck did that come from? <laughs> Jump. Yeah, yeah jump. <laughs> Shouts out to Chris Cross. Um <laughs> fucking need to know. Wow. <laughs> Freudian slip, bro. No. Um I never saw hip hop from across the street. And so I never was like, man, that's rhyming. I, I like what they're doing with the MC thing and they got the music behind them and and, and man, I want to try that. I feel like I could get good at that. It's basically just saying poems really cool like. Um so, so that's what I meant by it being innate, which I never, I never really had to try. I never had to really push myself to like want to do it. It was something we did from being very young and growing up and rap. And it's kind of like, it's any other thing that like somebody grows up to be really good at. And you're like, how are you good at that? Well, like, well, fuck, they made me do it since I was three or whatever. So like, I'm, mm -hmm. like, I'm really awesome at it. You know what I mean? Um, like ballet or something. <laughs> yeah, like just like that. Like, how are you such a good dancer? I was in fucking ballet, except, you know, obviously I was in a different school. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's what I made, meant by the innate sense. You know, I'm not going to say no names, but somebody, well, I'm not going to say no names because I love them. But <laughs> I'm fucking going to, I'm doing, I'm going to do a song with somebody. I think we're going to write or something. And, and uh, they had a rhyming dictionary. They walked in with a rhyming dictionary. They, they, there was a dictionary. Uh, like a rhyming dictionary. I guess this thing was full of like a bunch of words that rhyme with each other and their meanings mm -hmm. and shit. Right. And I said, man, what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh man, it's a bunch of cool shit in there, you know? And even at the age I was at, I was like, yeah, but it's not coming out of you. You know, it's coming out of a fucking book. You don't study up. You don't study up to be a rapper. I don't watch a bunch of other people be like, man, I need to do something like that. Or, you know, I, I, it just didn't happen like that for me. And that's, that's what I made, meant by the innate sense. I just, what comes out, comes out. If it sounds like this person, then bet. Um, that was, that's just what happened. If it sounds like this, if I do a song and it sounds like Drake, if I do a song and it sounds like Ghostface Killer, if I do a song and it sounds like this, I, I can't help that. It's just whatever's coming out of me, you know, but really okay. my, my influences came way before any of them people were out, you know? <laughs> so, but, uh, that's what I meant. Just, I never studied up and I realized going through the game a little bit, some cast were like studying this shit to get good at it. And I just, I guess I never cared enough to, to try. I felt like if I was trying, I was being an imposter. I felt like if I was like, if I was like studying up and had this like notebook full of rhymes and shit that one day I couldn't wait to present to somebody. I never did that. I would have a beat. I write the song. I record it. I don't have a notebook now, but I got songs in my head. You know, I got lyrics in my head. I got full songs or at least 
of some songs written in my head that have never hit paper. You put me in the studio right now with that beat and I'm going. Are you ever scared they're just going to vanish? Fuck. Yeah. You know, like you asked about what was, the, what was I surprised about <laughs> when I like got clean and, and I wasn't uh, retarded on dope no more. Mm-hmm. I was surprised I still had that ability. And that's when I was like, okay, now I can never go back because for whatever reason, I was able to retain this ability. And if I remain clear sighted in it all, I could probably do it better than I ever have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never feel like some old cat rapping, you know what I mean? Even though like 20 year olds are like this old motherfucker right here. But, (laughs) but I never felt like the old cat rapping and I'll help and I'll help anybody that needs help, um, you know, structuring things or how to approach things. Like I'll, I'll give game away for free all day. Um, but it'll all, it always comes out of me when it, when will it stop? I don't know. Uh, hopefully at least not in the next uh, couple of years. Cause I got a lot of plans. So just to wrap up, the whole Arctic flow line of questioning. How did Arctic flow eventually end? How did Arctic flow eventually end? You know, that's probably going to be a matter of perspective. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like some crazy, like falling out. Um, there was a bit of stagnation there, uh, for a bit, I'd say probably, I'd probably say, I mean, I don't know. I might've helped to precipitate a lot of it, but at the same time, everybody else was so focused on other shit. It's so, it crumbled so easily, you know, because I, I depended on myself for, for so many things and I micromanaged so much of it. Like, I'm like, wait, 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 I'll do that. Wait, 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 I'll do that. When really I should have been like delegating responsibilities so that we could all, I wanted, I wanted this sense of control. I wasn't, I was so young and testosterone was just, flowing and I just wanted to exhibit so much control over the situation. Maybe if I let go just a little bit, you know what I mean? Then it, then so many, so many tasks and responsibilities of the business itself wouldn't have fell when I fell. the shit might've went on, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, I have nobody to blame for that, but myself, if I'm to be 100% honest and I'm okay with saying that. Um, I'd say, I'd say probably 07 was definitely the beginning the beginning of it. Um, and then, you know, digital penetration came out in 08 and that was like, we were definitely like back on the upswing, you know, I'd gotten my shit together relatively and, uh, we were back on the upswing. We were making a little bit of money doing shows and shit. Um, I had gotten opportunities, uh, to go on tour in other places um and i and i took those opportunities i left state i went to different states you know 15 shows 15 cities 15 days i went and rocked little uh music uh festivals and shit um and things like that without without um the other cats um i did that because i mean i wasn't my life wasn't any better set up than theirs to do so i just had so much fuck it in me that i did it um, should I have done that? I don't know. I just felt like I had been putting something into something for so much into something for so long that at some point I just wanted to kind of focus on myself and see where I could take shit. And it was really hard to organize three, four, five motherfuckers being on the same page. And that's nobody's fault. I mean, we are all living and growing and developing lives and relationships and things and, and, and as sincere and organically as it came together, it was in sincere and organic fashion that it fell apart. 
Mm-hmm. And I would say, I would say there, the only time there was ever a conversation, I want to say 2010, I want to say 2010 was the only time there was a conversation uh, with people about this is, this is as far as an active, being an active entity and moving forward with any branding of anything, whether it be music or this, that, and the third. Uh, there was a conversation. I don't remember the particulars of the conversation. Um, I don't even remember who was all on that call, to be honest, but there was a conversation and we came to an understanding that everybody was kind of going to do their own thing. Mm, Okay. And that, that was, that was 2010. So earlier you said you're still working on music. Mm -hmm. Are you looking to release singles an EP an album? So, um, um, so the, 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 the podcast intro AM derivative, that was just something I kind of came up with as a pot. I was like, Hey, I'm going to do a verse so it can be the intro to the podcast. But I mean, I'd already linked up with the cats. I linked up with down here as far as studio and audio tech, um, Josh Laboca down here, who's amazing by the way, um, second to none sound. And, uh, I said, wait a minute, I'm plugged in. I didn't think I could accomplish it here. I hadn't been to Juno in a long, 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 long time. So I didn't think I could accomplish it here. I didn't really fucking know anybody. I knew a few people from back in the day and doing shows and I fuck with all those people actively now. I mean, you know, we, we all, everybody's got their little families or their little lives, but, but we all interact, you know? And, uh, but I found my little, my little spot. I found my little studio spot and a dude who understood. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can do this here. I don't have to wait. And so I did the, did the podcast intro and I've been recording songs ever since there's songs right now that are like waiting to be released and things. And there'll be a video, a music video dropping for a single, uh, God's favorite atheist. And that's just some tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek duality shit, uh, as far as the title. And if you listen, you'll figure it out. But, um, there's a video and it's, uh, being uploaded to Spotify and in every other app in the world as we speak, like it's actively happening right now. So it'll be out when? Uh, you know, as far as the actual day, I don't know. I was struggling with whether to put the video out first or put the, I kind of want to drop the video first. So it's in its final edits right now. I'll probably drop the video and then put the link to the music. Uh, it'll probably, I imagine next week ish. I don't have like a date, but as far as like what I'm crafting, I'm just doing one-offs. I'm doing one-offs. I'm doing a cover. I'm, do- I'm doing a single and I'm doing a cover for every single and I'm doing a video for every single. So basically, uh, my ADD doesn't allow me right now with a day job and with the podcast and with the music and with having a chick and, 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 and life, it doesn't allow me to really focus and have a clear concept of, of what an album would look like right now. So I'm kind of just having fun with it and I'm going to put out uh, a full presentation of every single. So every single will have a cover, every single will have a video, every single will have uh, maybe some merch to go with it or, or whatever. And I'll just drop that uh, once a month. So, you know, if you listen for a whole year, then there's your album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the mu- if you're if you're trying to get to if you're trying to get to the bottom of whether or not music is still popping, music is still very much popping and I think in the next couple months you'll have a lot better understanding of what I've been doing this whole time. Yeah. I've only been out I've only been out for I've only, I've been out for less than a year from prison. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. January, January 5th. So this new you is brand new. Brand motherfucking new. 
and I and I hit the ground running and uh, and I'm doing it. So everything that everybody's seeing like this isn't years of preparation. This is notebook paper in a room by myself in my head. And if it seems like it's coming quick and it's uh, organized, it was all in my head first. I didn't get out here and say, maybe I should do this. There's a plan behind it all, you know, and I, my, my thoughts are more organized. My head is clear. You know, uh, even back in the Arctic flow days, I was smoking fucking blunts like they were going out of style. So there's no way I was rocking. On, there's no way I was rocking on all levels. So now I work to present everything so clearly and concisely and in such an exceptional fashion that no way could it be slept on. If you appreciate it, you appreciate it. Oh, well, that would have been better if he did this. Well, I got it. And I'm doing a video for every song. I'm doing a cover for every song. Like, why not? I got time and technology. I got time and technology and time don't tick by for me like it does most people for obvious reasons. So I wonder if we, we end this episode with that single God's favorite atheist. Yeah, for sure. We could do that. I would love to do that. Well, that does it for my questions, man. Do you have, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, not much. Uh, cream soda, classic cream with a K classic with a K Instagram uh subscribe to the youtube channel of course follow me on all social media and visit creamsodamedia.com where i attempt to present everything clearly and concisely and uh props to crude magazine and cody man thank you it's been a pleasure it, it really has i appreciate the opportunity to present man and uh, a lot of things heard today have never been heard before and uh, hopefully that offers some insight and a little bit of clarity into uh, a lot of things you can support local grassroots journalism at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Intro music was produced by Alcoda Beats. Outro music is courtesy of Cream Soda. Yo, open books to Genesis, that street life with benefits, got complex with dividends, we live it up and we get it in, got fair chances on state time, got dope crossing on state lines, we took yours, I make mine, got blunts passing, we stayed high, street life stay calling me, east side was all of me, and all those who follow me could never see me falling beat, got no bell, put your head down, got calendars next to the bed now, that cell chains, we don't ever doubt, they fucked up when they let me out cause I hit the streets with a vicious blow mouthpiece keep vicious flow got no business with a listen though if I spit quick you listen slow straight misfit ain't no saving that big lick got motivation that pimp shit no hoe chasing can stick with me you'll go places my chick test put chest on it two flex and a rest on it holy water I bless on it it's a hot mess when I flex on it but hair did unique sheen so dirty my teeth clean got body know what I I mean, cream soda, 316. Do the whole thing? My fault. All praises do I. 
Bow down to the third eye God complex son of man Now pay dues to the most high Some say I'm feeling myself Fuck y'all I build it myself Track laid I kill it myself Swear I am the realest one left Speak to my congregation They chilling out on the church steps They all low down motherfuckers I swear to God I'm the worst yet Now gaze upon these true believers This Waco we're never leaving I'm born with my palms bleeding In the shadows of a church steeple There's lanes not the Swerving two levels you will never reach Stay out of grown folks conversations Which means you should never speak This die die this my house You do it cause I say to I keep bitches you save hoes And they knows no stay true Smash status I'm too clutch Baby swear she ain't booed up Be the same pussy that you touch Stop me when it's too much I won't stop till it's all sad Won't stop till it's all bread Won't stop till they all dead Man arm leg leg arm head